You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Whoa. Early morning. Well, wow, late night in Cambodia. At 7.30? Yeah, 7.30 oh, right now. not bad. No, not terrible. So you're about ready to go out on your second date of the night? Actually, correct, after this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, first day was the afternoon, so not two dates in the, in the night, you know, afternoon, then the evening. Well, for those viewers that don't know, Nick uh, is our international correspondent, and we send him all over the world to bring you information on real estate. Nice. Uh, and right now we've got him in Cambodia. Tell so, Nick. Tell us what is what's the scene like? What's it look like? Well, Andy, you saw some of the, the Instagram stories, but basically, right now I'm in uh, a 35 floor luxury apartment in what is considered the best street and neighborhood in the capital of Cambodia, and okay. uh, I'm paying twenty two dollars a night. There's a rooftop bar. There's one of those pools that is, uh, you know, like on top of a building that the whole thing is a pool that overlooks everything. Yeah. There's oh, wow. that. Um, yeah, I got some a lot of the photos on the Instagram, and maybe throughout this episode I'll, I'll pop a couple up. But let's just say the dollar does does magic over here. Chris, you and I could be retired. Yeah, I'm more than retired here. Well, I was thinking, what do you think of Cambodia? I mean, you don't really think, I don't know, big city. <laughs> I I was thinking like huts and jungles and all yeah. that kind of stuff, but I guess that's not the case. What's the uh, what's the climate for chubby realtors over there? Is it uh, is it our kind of environment or not? So Cambodia Ca- Cambodia is known to have the old fat white tourists with the twenty year old Cambodian girls walking around. I didn't say that for my <laughs> wife's sake. Who's listening to this show? I did not say that. <laughs> I'm very clearly happily married. My handcuffs yeah. prove it every day. We're um, talking realtors. Are those realtors? Oh, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. We yeah, we were talking real estate. That's I assume that was a realtor showing a, a young Cambodian woman client. Is yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of that though, um, so like I said, I paid twenty two dollars a night for something that is like very luxurious by all aspects. And um, I was hanging out with a local that lived about twenty minutes um south of me, right? So not too far away. And uh, she told me that she had a, she paid thirty dollars a month for rent, and I said, "You're lying! Like that that is crazy, right?" And yeah. um, like, you need to show me. So we took one of those tuk tuks down, you know, these little uh, like yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, a tuk tuk, yeah. And Can it you cost buy them like, there and send me one? I want one for my cabin, so they can take yeah. me down to the dock. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like a little golf cart, you know, but it's like yeah. it's kind of funky and, and cool. So yeah. that cost me for 20 minutes. It cost me a dollar and 50 cents for this ride. But we get there and I, I realized I was the only foreigner in this area and everyone was like staring at me and looking at me. And I'm like, okay, you got to be on edge here. And I don't really know the person yeah. I'm with, but I really wanted to see this $30 a month place. Right. So I go in there and it's literally a warehouse and it's got like, you know, like uh, in a barn, you have like the different things for the animals, whatever they're called, yeah, like the, the stable, the, the stable, the stables. That's what all the apartments, there's like 30 of them in this warehouse they looked like. And it was like shocking because this person, you know, has a normal job, a 26 year old female, like 
and she's living in this for $30 a month and it is mind boggling. And then 20 minutes away is here's this huge skyscraper with the infinity pool, you know, luxury. Well, but think about, think about what you pay though, Nick, right? I mean, you know, you're in that infinity pool and so you're paying 600 bucks a month and she's at 30. So. Yeah, I know, but it's just like, it's just the levels of inequality are extreme, you know? You, uh, did, did they share with you what a normal job pays there or did they? Yeah. It's like, uh, 300 bucks a month. Okay. How about homeless? I like, kind of like real estate here. How about the homelessness? Um, yeah, they're not dangerous, but yeah, there's a lot of impoverished people for sure. Okay. Wow. It's a different world. I'll tell you. We've got it. You know, you, you do think about that and, you know, people complain if, uh, you know, their, their meal doesn't come in 20 minutes at a restaurant and, yeah. you know, and over there, it's just, uh, it's crazy. It, it really is. But, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to hear that, you know, everybody thinks America thinks we're perfect and obviously we're not. And it's, it's just reassuring to know that the world's all, we're all still trying to just figure it out. It's been for, literally hundreds if not thousands of years as a society in different forms of government and whatever, just trying to figure it out, right? Just trying to live our lives and have our families and enjoy life and, you know. So what what are we talking about today? Yeah, Nick, what are we talking about today from Cambodia? We got a, I got a whole list here, but, um, you know, we're going to hit it off with what's happening in the market now. We talked about what's happening in Cambodia. How about uh, good old Minnesota? Huh. Well, obviously it's the the holiday season has sprung. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I've got a couple new buyers that that popped up uh, that want to get out and uh, and get some houses done. Uh, there's there's just not a lot of stuff on the market. I know we've removed quite a bit, um, kind of for the holiday season, and probably coming back in January, February sometime. But uh, there are some opportunities with temporarily not available to show listings that uh, people, and, and what that means, there's, there's a status out there that says it's tempor- temporarily not available for showing. And sometimes those people are still willing to show it, but yeah. you have to get a hold of that agent, ask them if that's a possibility of doing it. And then what someone has to do is that agent, the listing agent has to put it back on the market so everyone has a chance to see it while you go and show it as well. And so there's some listings that'll pop on and, and come off. And, and that's the reason that's happening out there. Yeah. I uh, I listed one live yesterday and we've uh, had a couple showings on it and people yeah. are out there. The you're, you're, you're right on the money when it comes back to like inventory quantity is really low. Yeah. And the, um, and when it comes down to finding uh, properties to buy, I think a lot of people, lose their excitement, you know, cause it's, again, historically, we've all heard, you know, uh, the, the age group of, well, when I bought my first house, interest rates were 16%. Granted the precursor to that should be, we also were buying a $38,000 house and we also made 25,000 a year or what, you know what I mean? Like the ratios were really different. And yeah. so what keeps changing is, is the, all the other components, it's like tuning a car, right? And you crank up the horsepower over here, you change the gas, you change the intake, you change the exhaust, and all of a sudden you got a whole different engine. And that's kind of what we have right now is that prices have gone up, and uh, he should have hit his button, right? I um, know. He was a little slow there. 
queued up, my bro. You must be sleeping. Hey, I, I, I did get the photo for you guys. Oh, dang. So that, that pool stretches all around the whole rooftop. It's just a pool. So you got the 360 views of everything. It's pretty so freaking let me crazy. Ask you a question. You're out there on a, uh, obviously, a Wednesday or a Thursday. Are you 100% by yourself or are there people out there with you? In the room right now? No, in, <laughs> hey, uh, no, I'm in the pool. Like in the middle of the day, is there people that don't work, or is there is that like the real yeah? People I mean, a lot work? of I think people here are like tourists or you know expats, and um, so like okay. today, yeah, there's a couple of people in the pool, but you know it's a big pool, so like you don't you have a lot of space. I was just curious to see if you were kind of like in a area where people just don't work, they just have money, and but no, kind of going back to that housing thing though, you know, it is it is a supply and demand game, and uh, thanks, thank you for that. Um, and the uh, the going back to housing, I mean, it really is a situation where when houses do list, people are used to the current rates, right? And they just, I'm, I'm going to again say this, meet with a lender to start the process so that you completely understand when somebody throws you a curveball and say rates went up or rates went down or what does that mean to you? So, you know, your job, you know that you're stable. And, and I think the other thing that right now, if I was a buyer... Um, and I think a lot of buyers are doing this. You hear these articles all the time about, well, I don't want to buy a house right now because if prices are high and prices come down 25% or whatever, and complete hypothetical, right? If they did, I'm not even, I, I think it's the opposite, but um, if they came down, we'd be stuck. And right now, I think that if you think longer term, just like a stock, if you're buying stocks right now to make money on them and then to sell them in six months or six years, you're, you're probably not going to want to be in the marketplace because it's going to bounce around over this inflationary humps and bumps. And and right now, same thing with housing. I think you need to buy a house thinking long term, like you're going to pay it off. And then if the rates go down, you lower your rate and your goal is to pay the thing off and live there for, you know, 20 plus years. So that, then then it's not a scary time to buy. But if it's short term, yeah. And you're trying to time it where you jump on a bus, a moving bus, that gets a little tricky. Yeah, there's always an opportunity um, when you're you're ready to purchase. There just is. I mean, it's it's like that crazy market. There was oh, wait it out because there's too many buyers out there. Well, you got a great interest rate, you know. Now, oh, don't buy because the the rates are way too high. But maybe you're getting a, a value in the house. So there's always an opportunity in which to be able to um, jump into a market, any market that's out there. So, well, and that's just like this this seller I'm dealing with. They they found a property up in northern Minnesota. They were patiently waiting. And all of a sudden, the perfect property came for sale. They made their offer. And now they're going to sell their house. And and it's just, and it, there's no pressure. I mean, the people up north understand. They're like, great, put your house up for sale. No problem. It sells, it sells. It doesn't, it doesn't. We'll keep marketing, you know. And it's, so it's kind of cool. It's, um, I, I, the pace of the market, I wish there was a little more inventory. Um, but you get too much. And then all of a sudden, you got, you know, a bunch of cocky buyers walking around, you know. Well, Andy, how many times did these people get an opportunity to be able to do what you just said? Maybe your people don't need to sell their house before um, purchasing, but now there's contingent offers out there. And people are able to you know, right. go into a house thinking, okay, gosh, I'm not going to be stuck with my house. I'll be able to try to sell it to be able to get into this house. And so, again, opportunity in every market. Well, we and that's what we did. We sat down and strategized. We looked at it and said, hey. Here's the pros, here's the cons, here's what we can do, here's what we should do, shouldn't do, what do we want to avoid? And we made a decision. And it was, um, you know, I'd, I'd be shocked if that house is available at the end of the week. 
That's cool. Yeah. Well, I got some really good news, actually, about the state of Minnesota. And I was shocked seeing this. Actually, not shocked, but it's pretty interesting. So Minnesota and Massachusetts are the highest uh, living standard states in the United States of America. Who put this together, Walls? <laughs> this is the uh, New, York, New York Times uh, big article and yeah. some study. <laughs> Author, Tim is Walls. It, yeah. Is it New York Times that did it? Yeah. It's yeah. his cousin Billy Walls. Billy. Hey, let me let me see that let me see that map again. Okay, living standards in each state based on an index that includes life expectancy, okay. education, cost of living, adjusted spending, hours worked, and inequality. Okay. Hours worked. Wow. A lot of a lot of interesting topics in there, like long life and yeah, well. Yeah, I guess uh, if they, if they would have put taxation in there, we probably would have fell to the bottom. But <laughs> yeah, hey, we're only at what nine point three percent? Is that what it is? That's not bad. I, only, I can't I can't look at that stuff. I get scratched. It's only nine point three percent more than South Dakota and Florida. Just so you know. I, I all I know is I got a meeting up there and uh, up in uh, Alex with my lake lot I've got where they want to charge three grand a year for a lake lot in taxes and there's no building on it yet. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What improvements am I receiving, or what what uh, draw on society am I putting in there for other than value um, or whatever? So they value it higher. But I'm like, that seems doesn't that seem wrong for raw land? And and I'm putting no stress on the schools. I mean, I don't you don't, don't even plow my street. I don't you know I'm not up there. What was it before Andy when it first started? Uh, well, it was it just recently developed. So last year it was like a thousand. Okay. Okay. Which I honestly thought it was going to be around that eighteen hundred to two thousand, well, and then sh- it comes in almost at three, and I'm like, "What the heck?" Well, you share. I think the- everybody just you know threw up a little bit when they got their their uh, estimated tax values recently. Everybody's taxes went up. Will you share the price of what the lot cost or not? No. No. I'm not. Well, I mean, that makes a difference. I, if I got to analyze this, I got to know all the. I got to know all the facts. Well, you just, you worry about yourself. <laughs> An interesting thing, though, because I saw um, one of these infographics like about a week ago, and it was talking about depression and suicide and, and those those things. And Minnesota was one of the highest ones. So even though it's got some of the best living standards, it also, the most people kind of sad. Yeah. Well, you know, and someone would argue that your living standards are higher because you are tax higher, so they can provide more for you in theory, right? In that big brother perspective. But I think there's a lot of people that, you know, are out there that are, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people looking for less government moving farther North, you know, trying to get away from the, the, you know, the feeling of having more control. Um, if they don't move to Arizona or South Dakota or Florida, they're moving up North and, and it's, and not everybody, I mean, I'm talking a small percentage of the, of the, of the population, but you know, there's some people that have that rebel blood in them, you know, and they want to just be free and and not have anybody tell them what to do. And independence is their thing. I mean, obviously, we we live here and we sell it and we do all that stuff. And so there, right. I mean, there is a lot of good things about Minnesota. Um, even if there's things you maybe don't agree with, you, I think you start to choose the things that you do and what you can control, and um, and you move forward. You know, and- well, you know, and you and I have survived through all these. I mean, we've been Minnesota guys our whole careers and our whole lives for that matter. And so we jokingly say this stuff because we, we yeah. both, I think we both love where we live, but 
um, you know, there's always room for improvement. Don't let it, don't let them get away with thinking they don't need to improve, you know? Yeah. I just can't believe that they're charging 3000 on a lake lot that only costs $20,000. So I know. Crazy. I actually got it for free because they felt bad for me. Because um, they were like, "Oh, you're in real estate. You need a place to relax." Did you get any tip? Did you get any tip financing for that? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm putting up, I'm gonna... putting up low income housing out there. I'm gonna. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Right on the lake. Right on the point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. I just. I don't. I'm sure most. Let's focus on other things, right? Like, like Chris's wealth. Um, and I... we'll. Uh, I think by the time we get done with this show, Nick, he's going to be fine paying $3,000 of taxes up there. Just saying. Nobody feels sorry. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time I, I, I uh, kind of get out there and, and I get smacked, but it's okay. Well, let's cheer for Minnesota. That's good. We're good. We're Thanks good. for finding this, that chart. This might not be too good. This is the bad news. So we're losing oh. the Hilton. Minneapolis's Hilton is foreclosed on oh boy what do you guys think about that well that's that's the uh you know that have you are you guys familiar with how hotels work so like <laughs> yeah oh they rent homes yeah they rent homes like daily yes well the, no like so so like chris rooney or andy prasky or anybody could own that that building and then we choose the hilton to be the brand that we pay for and then, so we bring the Hilton in, we, we have the, up to the Hilton standards, but at the end of the day, we own the building, we own the facility. And um, so the building might be going broke. Hilton is not. If that was a Hilton owned resort, they would probably sell it, refurbish it, repurpose it. They wouldn't foreclose on it. So that's, that's an example of a business owner that is allowing that to happen to their building, not to the business, right? So it's for whatever reason. And that must be some of that uh, looking for some relief on downtown. Um, I'm assuming it's downtown, right? The building. I didn't really see. Yeah. Yeah. Downtown Minneapolis. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know how the Four Seasons is going to work out either. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on downtown that they need to figure out. Well, that yeah, was the reason, that, that's the reason I brought this up. Not like the Hilton going bankrupt, but you no, know, they're foreclosing on the major hotel in Minneapolis. That's that's trouble, yeah. no? Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to find a way to get people to feel safe to go down there again because it is a ghost town. I mean, I remember when we were down there, Andrew, all the time and we'd go during the week um, to do some recordings and stuff. And I mean, those food trucks line those streets. I mean, up and down everywhere. And they are nowhere to be found. Um, At least the last couple of times I've been down there during the day and I'm just kind of just sad. Hopefully people are going back to work. Um, I don't get downtown a ton, uh, but um, hopefully that that's got it's got to change because it can't it can't sit like that forever. Well, you know the the focus for a lot of businesses was downtown, having a thriving you know epicenter there with everybody congregating and restaurants and business and theater and all these fun things. And and now when people don't feel safe, the interesting part is this: they stay down in their in their in their gopher hole, right? And they they go other and they'll go other places. They're not going to stick there. They're not going to come back to a place where they don't feel safe. So if they don't feel safe, and and I and I say this to all of the city council and the and the mayor of, of, of Minneapolis, you guys had a wonderful downtown area not not even five years ago, four years ago, 
And then, and then things really, really change. And I know there's a lot of things that have happened with the city, but it, it does come down to where if people don't feel safe, people won't go. And if you don't have people going, there's no purpose for it. I mean, turn it into a big park. I mean, if, you know, downtown's not going to thrive, I mean, and it's not going to be part of the heart of our, of our city and you're not going to protect the heart. Guess what happens to the rest of the body? Bloop, goes away. That's one thing though. I've, I mean, I've, I have been downtown, I mean, not as much as I used to be, but right. I've never been, I should say afraid, but talking to others, um, I mean, they immediately, that's what they immediately say. We're, you know, wait, no way. I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there at night. Right. I'm like, I mean, it's not, it's, it's just like, you know, what we thought of Cambodia, you know, <laughs> I mean, a bunch of huts in a jungle and it's not, I mean, so right. it's, you know, it's perceived. You go down to some of those great restaurants, Chris, and they even have, you know, um, like par- valet parking, for an example. And between when you get out of your valet parking, you give them the ticket and you're walking into the restaurant. Somebody asks if you want to buy weed. And it's like, I'm here to have a nice dinner with my family. What what the heck? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, hey, can you give me some spare change? And and it's like, okay, guys, listen, I, I just, I, whatever. I'll tell you one thing I'm starting to get fed up with is this acceptance that we've been giving, um, you know, like people use it as an excuse now, I think more so um, in, in businesses that you have to sit and wait around forever. I just, I think just people have to come back and say, you know what? No, there is such thing as customer service again. And, um, and start really pushing for that and getting the right people um, to be able to work there. I, I don't know. It's just, it's gotten just brutal. And, and the expectations are we should, you know, still, you should still tip them the same. And, you know, I I really believe, because I was in the restaurant industry, um, owned a restaurant and I worked in it a lot earlier. And as a waiter or a bartender, I always wanted to be able to have more tables. The more tables I got, the more tips I got. And I think they're in a way, they're like, you know what? Well, if, you, if you're going to have, you know, five people on instead of three, you know, that's not worth it to me. I'll go to this other restaurant and I'll, and I'll work there, but people are still just tipping the same and, you know, and not, I mean, the other night I had to get up and get our silverware. I had to go to the bar and get our drinks filled. I mean, it was just like, it's craziness. So Cambodia, I've never been called sir so many times in my life here, sir. What do you need, sir? Yes, please, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. I asked them, hey, hey, how are you doing? How's your day? Sir, sir, what do you need? Can I help you, please, sir? It, it's yeah. wild. You want some customer well, service. It comes from a, think about where they're coming from. I mean, they're coming from a, you're an opportunity and you're you're yeah. a source of income for them. And so they show you the respect. And it's it's not a place of where if they were all fat and sassy and laying there, you know, with, with plenty of everything they need, they're going to be like, screw you, old man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into some fun stuff, though. Let's get into yeah, some memes. Yeah, I know that I'm depressed. And it's gonna, the memes are going to be brought to you by Chris Rooney Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results.
That guy's good. Thank you, Andy. I'm, I'm still eating my apple in, in breaks. Yeah, he should shut the mic off. <laughs> All right. People who said the housing market wasn't going to crash watching interest rates go down. Oh. Yeah, rates are expected to go down in this week. That was for Andy. Andy kept saying it's, we're not going to crash. And so he's like that SpongeBob smiling. He's giddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just I'm I'm just glad to get the correct information out there. I, I'm not saying it's not gonna crash. It I just don't see it happening right now. Yeah. I mean it's it's adjusting, you know. I think well, that's did you guys see my, my Instagram post today looking at the NARS numbers? Um the uh that's what I was just looking at here. They were talking about like the last housing crash, we had uh job cuts. And they had 8 million cuts in jobs. Right now, we currently have little to none. Payroll jobs, there was 130 million last time. Now there's 153 million. There's more people working. Um, total jobs, there's, um, again, 138 million before. Now there's 158. So there's all new jobs. Subprime loans, they were prevalent everywhere during the last crash. We have virtually, there you go, virtually none right now. Um, the five-year cumulative home to construction um, there was in here. Look at the inventory was 7.65. Uh, we're, we're way under producing last time inventory on market. We're, we're less than we're at a quarter of what we used to be for inventory. And this guys, that's the key thing right there is inventory. There's just not enough inventory that's on the market. We're at, you know, like a million, million two. And we were at 4 million when we went to the last housing crunch um, delinquencies at 3.6. And then, you know, if you looked at foreclosures, they, they're under uh, their 0.06 versus they were um, four, 4.6. So I, I only bring that to light because, you know, we're watching those key indicators, guys. When you're watching a show like this, um, the a lot of agents don't just, you know, we're constantly watching that stuff because I'm telling you, if you see me running scared, I'll be the first one to tell you, run scared, hide your money, refinance now before you can't or whatever. Right now, that's not happening at all. We're still a supply and demand uh, challenge. I actually think if rates go down, you're going to see another housing push. And I think we're going to go back to a market very similar, maybe not quite as aggressive as last year and the spring. But um, I think you'll see multiple offers on houses again because there's nothing for sale. Right. And I think it's just a natural time to kind of take off for buyers right now and right before this. So I think all those things kind of come together, slowed it down, got people thinking that way. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, Andy's right. You put me out by myself, but that's okay. All right. When you're three, but you just sold your first house. What? That, that's that's how most the agents look to me. Like when I'm, I feel like an old man now because I I go out there and meet with all these new agents, and they're like, "I'm new to the business." <laughs> they're like little babies. I'm like, "Oh, oh, it's okay. I'll help you." Uh -huh. We're not that old either, Chris. We just we just think it. We've been through a lot. I think I'm still under the average age of a realtor. I mean, I've been doing it for 32 years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm soon. I'm soon to be average pretty quick here. So it's yeah. coming. It's coming yeah. really fast. Faster every day. It's faster. That's crazy. 
This real estate agent sells 16 homes a day. Ben Caballero is no regular real estate agent. He's actually number one in the entire country. And in 2020 alone, did nearly two and a half billion dollars worth of transactions. He isn't selling mansions either. He developed a website that helps builders sell their newly built homes, streamlining the process for them and saving them money. He even outpaced Zillow when they attempted to sell houses. He's a legit powerhouse. If you want to see more business content like this, make sure you're following me. Well, old Ben, I've never heard of you. I haven't either. Hmm. So what we got a guy it, that's uh, selling 16 houses a day. And then obviously he, he's got an internet that's uh, helping builders. That's what I'm thinking. Do you know any more on him, Nicholas, that we can... Uh, I seem to never understand our memes, which is really kind of sad. <laughs> no, but that's just crazy me. 16 homes a day. Obviously, he's got systems in place and whatnot, but he was doing yeah. more business than Zillow and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, it's very possible. I mean, it, it's a uh, – now, what does he make for commissions? I don't know what his average commission is or what they charge. I, I, I'd love to research that because that's right in my uh, wheelhouse for topics. Well, and the whole the whole building industry, I think, is a uh, – it's just an interesting thing. I mean, we're we're that's one thing we are doing is meeting with clients um, for for new builds and uh, luxury type places. So mm-hmm. um, I think people are, you know, there's there's a lot of people that've got a, a lot of money out there as well, and mm-hmm. uh, they're positioning themselves to be into something. And um, and it's really it's what I think is interesting is what they're creating and what they're building and they're building it exactly for what they want. I mean, there's one that's got basically almost, well, about 3,800 square feet of garage space that actually opens up into like a, a billiards room into the, into the house. And it's almost like a party area. It's almost like one of those um, autoplex uh, garages on a house, but it makes it look like the whole house. And it's a, I mean, it's, it's going to be really cool. I mean, really cool, but it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like, you know, their statement was, is that, you know, that's what we want and that's what we like. And, and it's all in one spot and uh, it's, and it's going to be fun to build. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, um I still am a little hesitant. I think most people are right now still just a little bit afraid of overpaying and new constructions on the cusp of being the, the front edge of the boat, you know, that cuts through the new markets for, for price. And uh, you, it's kind of the leading edge. And I think that there's a lot of people still, they want it, but they're nervous. And and like I, I keep telling everybody, hey, think long term and it's a great time to buy. Think short term, not a good time to buy, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's turbulent. I mean, you might get lucky, but you might also not get lucky. So. Yeah. And I think the, these people too are taking uh, the approach of, you know, well, let's see what it's at, you know, because the, the market is, it's up and down. I mean, lumber goes down, prices go down. All of a sudden people have openings and you start getting a lot better pricing. So, right. I don't sell real estate. I mean, I do, but what I actually sell is services and consultations. 
and the houses is just a product of other people that we buy and sell for you. Point being, you don't only have to call me when you're trying to find a house or you want to sell. You can message me anyways if you have any questions or you're trying to find out what your options are or you just think the house I posted is cute. Let's get connected. Doctor. Nick, um, Nick, uh, I want to know how you filter these memes. <laughs> Based on women you want to date? It's social media reacts and memes, but I just found it interesting, like the way she was styling it, but also it was a very popular post, obviously, cause maybe because she's attractive and whatnot. And I don't know, just what you guys think about it? She was dressed up like a doctor with pilot glasses on. Of course, she's intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay, I I guess my opinion on that one is I'm I'm not so sure I would have um, picked her as a consultant um, for my my real estate needs. Um, I'm a consultant. Seem I don't know. I I think there's I don't know. I guess there's ways, different ways in which to market yourself. And uh, like I, I've been saying all the time on these memes, it's not something that would work for everyone and to do it. And uh, if it works for them, that's fantastic. And I don't think I've ever seen a real total 100% combination that makes for the perfect realtor. Yeah. I think I've, I've seen a lot of different people um, be very successful. And then ones that you think would be super successful aren't able to do it. I think biggest thing you have to have is some perseverance. You know, you're going to go through ups and downs quite a bit. Um, and you got to be able to kind of get past those, uh, right. those times. And, and I, I see them kind of like in that year three, four and five, that's really where I see it. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm not new anymore, you know, and this, this stuff, I'm still not getting, you know, what I want to be able to get. And, if they right. can get past those years, it usually it usually works out for them. Or they go into the route of, you know what, I'm a part-time agent. I've got another job, and I, I do this on the side, and I hope to sell, you know, four or five deals a year. I do know what I'm doing. Um, kind of got to do it on my time. We're good friends, um, and, and we work that way. Or you get into it full-time, and, and you start being, you know, more successful at it. But it's not – everyone thinks realtors are all – super rich and have all that. And that's, I mean, there's two or three months of a bad market that can destroy a lot of realtors in this market right now. Oh, e easy. Yeah. A lot of them. So, well, and that's, that's the case. I think that there's, you know, all the doom and gloom we talked about a couple of weeks ago about uh, the amount of real estate uh, brokerages that weren't paying their rent in the buildings they were in and things right. like that. I think there's when, when the markets slow down and, and you, you got to look at how people eat, right? So if brokers, a lot of brokers make a percentage of the real estate agents collected fee. So they collect $10,000, a brokerage takes a cut of that 10,000. Hence they pay for their people to answer the phones, their buildings, their whatever, right? Um, their billboards. Um, the, uh, so when it comes down to it, if there's less sales, um, some brokerages, you know, like I know Remax is different where they charge rent, you know, different environment where they charge agents. So, uh, office like a Remax might thrive in a market like this because the agents pay to play versus taking a percentage of the take, right? Just different way to do business. And yeah. um, so that might be part of that. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Hey, I got um, an interesting uh, article on the Somalian community and I know Andy 
did some deals in the past with um, uh, families like this, and there's some trouble brewing. So it's going to be brought to you by Andy oh. Prasky uh, with Preferred Home Team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales, I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show. But the Somali families in the, the fast track to home ownership, weren't they doing some suspect loans? Andy, you've kind of had experience. Yeah, yeah they well, the at least in my and I haven't read this article yet, of course. But um, why don't we go a little farther before I get into my personal experience here? So Somali families in Minnesota, contract for deed can seem like an easier path to home ownership, but predatory practices or poor regulation can make these loans a financial trap rather than a good deal. So what I think you're seeing is some people that are um, going into uh, financing a purchase instead of going to a traditional lender, which for religious reasons, there's a lot of a lot of families that have, you know, um, they, they don't believe in paying, for example, interest. Um, so they pay profit up front instead of interest, which is a different. OK, everybody can argue it's a play on words, but it, it's it's something that that is important. So for that family. So what we do is they, they have non-traditional lenders that will do profit based loans or they do contract for deeds and they line that up. And so they can get very expensive. And in my personal experience with new homes that are being sold that way, what I concern myself with is that I, I don't care who you are or what side of the transaction you're on. I, I never want to see anybody completely get taken advantage of, especially in any kind of a predatory. Th those people that know me know I'd attack it. Right. So like I was doing with a lot of my new construction deals and I concern myself about that because there are a lot of these, you know, um, lenders that are out there that are charging ridiculous 9% interest rates or whatever, and three origination points. And then usually the real estate agents in on it. So the real estate agents charging them a 4% commission on the front end that has to be front end funded. So if we only pay out, you know, three or two and a half or whatever the commission is paid out by the seller, they've got to pay the difference out of their pocket. So it's, it's, it's very, um, one-sided, which is also translated eventually into predatory. So you, each case has to be looked at individually, and I'm trying to walk a, a very fine line here without accusing everybody of having a problem. But th there are a lot of those fine lines right now that if I was trying to protect, um, you know, my, my consumers and my citizens, I'd probably take a look at that product right now. Mm. Just just saying. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't there. There is some. Um, I mean, for certain cultures that aren't. Uh, able to i mean in their true culture if they're not able to pay interest on loans um i know there's some there's different plans and how you you can do that otherwise i mean people have to have complete cash in which to be able to purchase something so yeah. anyone who's going to lend money has got to make some money on top of that they don't just do it for the for the heck of it and um so i don't know i think it's uh i think it's interesting to be um more interested to hear kind of the the down low details and and how they were doing that. I see that you know contract for deeds that means someone's 
obviously purchasing it and then selling it to someone else, um, you know, for maybe a price that's worth more than what the house is actually uh, worth. Well, you know, and, and Chris, we're like, like I've had where like you, you get a hardworking father that's like he's a truck driver and then he's an Uber driver on the weekends and some of his income is not verifiable. So, but there's income coming in because the guy works his tail off and that's what I'm talking about. And then a lot of times, so a, a traditional bank won't say, well, that's not W-2 or that's not, you know, cause it's, it's sporadic and you're on, you're an independent contractor driving that truck. And so then a lot of it comes in and these, some of these guys are making a couple hundred grand a year, literally driving uh, long haul, haul uh, trucking. And then I, I, I just sold an Uber driver a house where he was making over hundred grand a year as an Uber driver. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of, a lot of guys and gals out there making good money. It's not, not a lack of effort. It's more just a, the process is different, you know? So want to make sure the process is, is not predatory. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right. Is it financially wise to pay my parents remaining mortgage, which is only half of my salary in exchange for the whole house to be promised via a trust and will? That's a great question. Financially wise to pay my parents remaining mortgage which is only half of my salary in exchange for the whole house. I, I would, number one, I would, um, <laughs> if you have other family members, make sure that everyone's in on this whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, it's half of your salary. I mean, that that's a 50% debt to income ratio. That that's a lot. Yeah. You'll struggle. You know, they, I'm, they, I'm assuming, I'm assuming their salary, let's say they have a, $4,000 a month salary coming in and they're spending no, 2000 to pay the payment, right? Is that what I'm assuming? No, it says it's the rate, the remaining mortgage is only half of the salary. So if they make a hundred grand, there's only 50,000 left on the mortgage. I mean, okay. I would, I mean, obviously that would be a, probably a great deal because there's not many houses um, that would be that inexpensive, but I'd want to know what the value is of that house. And I mean, if there's a, okay. if there's a deal so, on it, you just pull the IRS. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to watch. Or if your parents go to a nursing home, or they go to any kind of assisted care, uh, between now and seven years, I think it's seven years they reach back, right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, you know there there might be some other things too. I mean, obviously, if the parents want to remain living there, uh, they're just trying to figure out a different way in which to be able to go into retirement. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure the kids are going to get the the house regardless, but this is a way in which to be able to. Um, I don't know, well, maybe one kid to get it and the other one's not. Well, th think about this too. You're right. So like, let's say mom and dad, um, just to legally pass this through to them, they, let's say that they, they write a contract, they agree to a price and they're paying mom and dad, um, over the years and mom and dad forgive the maximum allowable pass through on taxes, tax free to that child and forgive the value off the house. So for an example, I don't remember it's 15,000 or 20 or whatever it is. So the parents can forgive, let's say it's a $200,000 house and over the years they can forgive, let's say, you know, over 10 years, they forgive 150,000 of the 200 now in, in that proper period of time, you literally can take that house tax-free. Um, and you're talking like a gift, like a correct. gift, like yeah. it. it just takes time. Or what you want to do is have mom and dad, if you're concerned about them, you put things into trust to protect their assets. And then the reason your parents might not be worth $50 million, but on the other hand, if they don't want what they do have to go to a nursing home or to assisted living, 
A lot of people will establish a trust well in advance of any need for a product like that, put their assets in there, and then they have the right to control that trust. And then when when they pass, they have 50,000 in their checkbook instead of 2 million, and the 2 million is protected within the trust. But it has to be a window of, and talk to attorneys, talk to accountants um, is, is the best way to put that kind of a thing together. Yeah, that's for sure. And and your other family members, I'm telling you, you just don't, yes. I've just seen that too many times and it just gets ugly. And you want to make sure the will that your parents have written is, is up to date and correct too. So they don't have any issues with probate or interpretation or, hey, mom and dad only sold that house because they felt sorry for you, but they want us to benefit from the sale. No. That was very in-depth. What up, dogs? Professionals. Um, okay. This is a, a longer one, but I think it's quite interesting. So I'm going to have – Chris, you want to read this? Is being underwater in your mortgage actually bad? So say I buy a house for 400000 now, and the prices drop significant, significantly, significantly in the next year, and I owe more than what the new house is worth. I would have a hard time selling since the sales wouldn't cover the amount owed on my mortgage because there is cost to sell your house. And number two, I wouldn't be able to refinance. Not sure why exactly if you're refinancing the same principal you owe, but I've read that this would be an issue. Sometimes not. it isn't with the same mortgage company, just so you know. But besides those drawbacks, is there any risk to falling home prices if I'm able to continue paying the mortgage payments I signed up for in the beginning? It doesn't seem like being underwater would affect your ability to keep the house as long as other economic factors don't erode your income and cause you to miss mortgage payments or need to sell in a bad market. Is there anything that I'm missing? No, <laughs> I don't. I mean, and I think you did uh, buy a house and you did agree to pay for it. And um, I think everyone, this whole house thing, everyone, and it's, and it's been ingrained in us all that it's an investment. And this investment, you know, that we're we're taking on, that we should be able to make money on it. But it's also a place in which to be able to live, you know. So you are almost like renting, and it's going to come back. I mean, it's it's kind of a typically when you're underwater, it's typically a short amount of time. You know, there's a lot of people underwater for a long, long, long time, um, from in that 2006 when it was kind of peaked until you know, almost 2016, um, when things started kind of coming back somewhat. Um, I know I had a ton of rental properties uh, in that in that time period. And I mean, my my values were crushed. And, you know, and people weren't making rent payments. And so you just have to kind of fight through it and, and make it through. Eventually, I was able to get out of it and make a little profit on that. Um, but it is what I agreed to do, and um, you should uh, probably do that, in my opinion. Andrew? Uh, I'd like to take this moment of silence to recognize Cambodia, um, where Nick is living, and that I guarantee you, if Nick is there, there's a good time. <laughs> Was that a commercial? For Nick, yes. Oh, okay, good. All right, good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, is being underwater a bad thing? I guess the actual question is, yeah, it kind of stinks, but it's it's not the end of the world, that's for sure. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, the again, long-term hold versus short-term hold. Being underwater is, is a, a temporary thing. 
I mean, generally, right? If you're paid off, then you're not underwater. You're just not getting a great return on your investment, right? And I think a lot of people look at that incorrectly. And that's, uh, you know, just something that I've over the years, um, I, I've, I, it, it's, it's mindset. If you think you're underwater, you're negative. It's, it's just like saying, hey, you know, for a year you, had, you couldn't get bonuses at your job and you had your salary, but the bonuses got withheld to keep your job. Well, sometimes that happens with housing too. I mean, housing isn't a perfect scenario. It's just, it's what the benefit is, is that you get to live there as well as get the tax write off well as, you know, um, you know, I don't know. So if it's temporarily underwater, hang tight, refinance, enjoy the property, stay there a little longer. You're fine. Yeah. Anyway. Uh-oh. This is your turn, Andy. I'm selling a home that I recently inherited. I will. I want to sell it to someone who will live in it. I would rather uh, not sell it to a landlord or really a flipper. Is there a way to ensure that buyer will occupy the house for a certain period of time? Good luck. I mean, if you you can't really discriminate against uh, a, a purchaser, um, there might be, boy, um, I'll tell you what, if, if that's the case, if you don't want an investor which to take it and you want a homeowner which to do it, then fix it up. I was going to say, overprice it, and then you'll. Uh, <laughs> but fix it up, landlord. You know, make it more turnkey because investors are looking for things that they can make better and, and look. And so, if it's if it's got an issue to it, you know, and there's something wrong with it, and it's usually typically because of the the wear and upkeep that you've done on your house is why investors right. jump in and grab that stuff. So, the more you can make it turnkey, the more likely you are to have. Uh, owner-occupant in that house, for sure. Did we answer that, kid? Is that good enough for you, uh, mister? Beautiful. I now got a little winter checklist selling. I'm going to pull up uh, this little chart here. This looks like something I would do. Oh, selling a home in the winter. This is good. Yeah. Okay, so what, what do we do here? So winter checklist uh, when you're selling your house. As you get ready to sell your house, add these items to your to-do list. A real estate professional will provide other helpful tips based on our specific situation. So what, Chris, I think we should do is challenge ourselves to add to this. So in a nutshell, it says make it inviting, uh, show it's cared for, and boost curb appeal are the kind of the highlight level themes. And, you know, so some of the things that make your house inviting, Chris, um, when you're thinking of selling in the winter. Well, I'll tell you what, those those first ones I totally agree with. Um, oh, we lost them. The first one, I'll read them to you. I said, open your blinds, curtains, and let the light in. 100%. Natural light is uh, the biggest thing. I think light bulbs uh, Natural, enhance okay. that. Uh, a light bulb, oh, just like that. Look at that. Natural light, got it. Got it. All right, you got that. Good. I think uh, good light bulbs, Andy, are another um, big thing that uh, um, that can enhance that natural light. It says, take down personal shrines to yourself as a former football star. Chris Rooney um, was number three. Not happening. That Not stays up. That stays up all the time. I mean, there's there's Check one little trophy, third place in PLAY. 
But what do you think about depersonalizing the house? Because I, I just had this happen where, you know, when you're most towns, even though they're big towns in the Twin Cities, but they're small towns, right? So you have that situation where, you know, the oh, they're on the basketball team, the football team, the wrestling, whatever, right? Um, and so it creates that, oh, we're buying their house versus, hey, this is our new home. And so a lot of people are curious creatures. I don't think it's a bad thing to leave up some identity in the house, but I don't want to overdo it where it's a shrine. Like, you know, like I laugh about like my neighbors when I was growing up, you'd walk up the stairs and they had all their kids from first grade all the way to 12th grade. And which was granted cool, but you know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's also like little trinkets and stuff. So we got a good example. If you put Andy on the full screen here, if you look behind him, he's got all those little cars and stuff though. They're they're those they're cool and all of that. But what happens is that someone comes up in in this office, he he has an office above his garage and uh, it's, it's really laid out really nice, but some people might spend a lot of time to your back left, Andy, all those cars and look, spend more time looking at those than what the features are that they're purchasing. And so, you know, to kind of, those would be good to kind of just get out of the way so they can imagine themselves in there. Um, versus, you know, being able to see this this car collection. Perfect example, you know, where they, they get a little distracted, sidebarred. Um, but on the other hand, you know, for me, I, I have to create an office because I literally have such an attention issue, hence mm-hmm. the squirrel uh, right there. Yep. Um, the uh, One of my clients bought that for me, by the way. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, apparently I have an issue. Yeah. Um, but to stay focused, to stay in my office. I've, I've, and now everybody's different. I've had to create an environment where I'm stimulated with things that interest me to keep me in the office. I'm great at staying out of the office and going from appointment to appointment, place to place, job sites, appointments, walkthroughs, inspections, closings. When it comes to sitting in the office and actually grinding out on work that I have to do on a daily basis, I go crazy and and I, I have a hard time staying still. So I've had to create a work environment that allows me to do that. Yeah. And that and you, and you explained it perfectly because we all have that. We all have our own little things. But people coming into your house to get the most people excited about it is you need, you need to showcase the house, not the person who lives in the house. So, Well, what about fixing things in the house that are broken, Chris? 100%. I mean, the, the more objections that you can take care of, the, the easier you get to an answer of yes, and then I'll purchase it because it's it's great when you walk in and say, oh my gosh, you know, there's nothing I have to do. And, you know, the appliances are new and the, uh, all the paint is touched up versus, you know, guys, it's a nice house, but I'm sure I'm going to have to replace the dishwasher in two years. And then, oh, you know what? The window's got a little, some cracks on it. Um, you know, and they start thinking about it. And then pretty soon they think about it too much. They go look at the next house that doesn't have that. And then they buy the next house. So very important to clean up and pick up stuff for sure. Well, that and then the other thing is that we, we've we kind of discussed this already, but um, giving each room a, uh, an actual a clear purpose. So for an example, um, I've been in houses where somebody takes a bedroom with a closet, window, everything's conforming. They'll set it up with an office, you know, set of, you know, furniture. Mm-hmm. People walk through the house and go, oh, well, that's too bad. The house only had two bedrooms. Had a nice office, though, upstairs, and they can't visualize. So when you analyze and strategize with how are we going to sell this house, is this area craving 
two bedroom houses with offices, well then that scenario would work great. Or is the area craving three and four bedroom houses and they're not as concerned about the office. And then you will go to purpose with, I would make sure that that, that office looks like a bedroom. So people walk through and it's crystal clear the intent for that room. And what, and what do sellers say, Andy, come on, there's no way. I mean, people can look past that. No, they can't. Uh -oh. He's you're 100% on. And I, and I like the extra part you added on that. If it, if that area does say, you know, maybe there's six bedrooms, that's no problem to put an office in one of those other bedrooms. Cause yeah. now, you know, I've got five and, and six, but yeah, if you've got three bedrooms and one's an office, people are thinking you only got two. It's crazy, but they do. Well, it invites creativity too, right? I mean, it brings people in, makes them think about what could I do with this room? We've always talked about having flex rooms in houses where we multi-purpose rooms from the dining room to an office, to a kid's playground, to a, you know, mom and dad's future, you know, that visit for a month bedroom, um, you know, multi-generational housing needs. And so there's a lot of cool things you can do, but on a superficial level, you do want to, I 100% agree, you want to make things very intentional. Um, okay, so that's kind of making it inviting. Uh, the second option was to show it's cared for, right? So here, uh, what do you think about making sure we get rid of dust bunnies? What do you think of dust bunnies, Chris? The heck's a dust bunny? Um, okay, the fuzzy things around your vents. What do you think about the fuzzy things <laughs> around your vents? Uh, uh, there's those; those are really bad things. Just so you know, they're dust and bunnies. I think the other thing is there's really bad things is opening uh, an oven and seeing the last 17 suppers on the bottom of your stove. And I think that's that, that just kind of shows that maybe the place has been neglected. And I'm telling you, people look in there and I mean, there's some particular people and, and that's what they're doing. And if they see something in there, you just can't have that. I mean, when it's, when it's time for cooking, when you're on the market, I mean, number one, you want it all clean, but number two is that there's tinfoil on the bottom of that oven every single time. Yeah. And, and you and you take that out when it's ready. You have to be at your best when you're showing it because people are going to, I mean, if you look at a stove and let's just say it's in a big house, I mean, those stoves are twelve dollars to $15,000 alone. And, well, and, hey, Chris, even, even the most pretty person, when they smile and they got spinach on their teeth, you're like, right. oh my God, take some right. time to brush your teeth there before you go out. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now he's hot. Okay, great. Good. Now we got yeah, now, he woke up. He's getting ready for that second date, Andy. Yeah, I he's, gonna, he's ready close. to dump us. All right, that's the end of the show, guys. But we're only halfway through our list. It's the end uh -huh. of the show. Uh, yep. No, so what about cleaning? Uh, I know that you, uh, you're a big fan of cleanliness. Oh, I mean, cleaning is, it, it might be the most important thing. I mean, literally over everything because then people can see it's actually cared for. It might, that shag carpet might be really old and it's really orange and it's really ugly, but it's in good shape. And, th and that tells people a lot. And so it's kind of like the things you can't tell and by less cleanliness, you can tell what's happened the last 15 years. Well, so, you know, like we were talking about that. So in, in the other thing within a house like that too, is the interior smells. So in the winter time, things get amplified. So, if you have a cat, it gets amplified. If you have, you know, um, whatever going on in your house, it gets amplified. So we want to make sure to have the all, all the vents are cleaned. We want to make sure to have the utilities clean, dusted, um, so that it looks like they're cared for. I think that's a big thing, you know. And then the other thing is when you walk in, have a friend do this, not you. Because you, what's funny is you become immune to your own house, you know, odor. Uh, have it where somebody else comes into your house and actually walks in and says, wow, it smells very nice in here. I don't know what the smell is, but it's nice. 
or do they walk in and go dog and you're like my dog doesn't smell it does does your cat my cat doesn't it does animals stink so um and, and some are worse than others but you know what i'm saying um I, i'd leave it with that i'd also really highly recommend um because nothing smells better than, you know walking in and having a uh, new carpet new paint um big big returns on investment right i mean having the walls look clean having the carpets clean so people want to take their shoes off because they respect the fact that you have beautiful carpet um i think is a real key especially in the winter remember the senses are heightened in the winter. So when they walk in, they take their shoes off, they walk on carpet. Plush carpet makes a big difference versus walking on the crap that the builders put in where you walk and you're walking on the two by fours and you can feel the tax strip on your foot, right? And, yeah. and I think that's uh, something. And then the other thing is I would say in the event that you have, you know, uh, not, it's, it's cold outside, turning the heat up a little bit on the inside of the house, make it warm and cozy, um, probably even a little bit warmer than you normally would is a real nice, uh, you know, showstopper fresh cat set of cookies before the showing um to get that sight sound smell um it's hard it's hard not to fall in love with a house that that has all those things going for it so you did andy i was gonna say one more thing about the cleaning part of it is that i i tell people i say I, it's it's so important it's the most important thing you're going to do and people say well i don't really have the money to be able to hire a cleaner and, and maybe they're going to cost just six seven hundred dollars i mean to do it right and I, I challenge every single person, is just, how much do you make in a week? Because I'll guarantee you I'll double that at least. If you take the week off of work and yeah. you just clean, we'll make you at least that much more um, or double what you what you just lost in your wage because it's it's that important. I mean, you're going to make 10, 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50,000 more just because it's clean. So people don't think. And when they think, that's when you're in trouble. You can't yeah. let them think. You can't. And, you know, the other thing is talking about thinking the last category was boosting your curb appeal. Right. So you look at the exterior of a house when somebody pulls up and you didn't shovel the walk. You, you, you know, there's ice on there. They're ready to fall. And mom and dad, you have to grab their arms so they don't wipe out on your front steps. All of those things amplify into I, I don't want to have a house that's not safe. I don't. And, and all you would have to do is shovel the walk on time versus walking on it and making it icy. Right. Or maybe put some, uh, you know, ice melt down or whatever you can do to make sure that it it, it gives that safety. And then the curb appeal, like you and I have talked about this, Chris, having a few visual things to look at, like you can direct people's attention, you know, like with a nice pot of uh, of like uh, outside with the, the spruces and the green and the spruce tips for the holiday season. And it just makes the house appealing right from the exterior. Um, some of the landscapes covered, but let's say you have a nice view. We've talked about this too. Landscape lighting can help, um, you know, even I'm, I'm not I'm not against holiday lighting. I used to kind of be against it if it's super themed. You know, it's super religious or something one way or the other, then you're going to limit your audience. But if it's just cool Christmas lights or holiday lights or whatever you have up and it's fun and festive, I don't think that's a bad thing. No. Andy, what's your favorite winter scent for the home? Gingerbread? You know, I, I yes, they, they there's a couple of them that are, I, I don't like the ones that smell fakey. You know, I struggle with the flowers. I have, I'm, I'm always a big linen fan just because it smells like clean clothes and I love that smell. Um, but you know, um, I'm just telling you, even sometimes cooking yourself, having a couple cookies in the oven, it, 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 who's kidding? who's kidding who it's bacon. It's bacon. My house smells like bacon. Yes. 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 Andy's the bacon king. Smoked meats, my man. That's right. Awesome. I will right, we'll wrap up this uh, early, early morning show. Make sure to give us a review on the iTunes, the Spotify post three digestible clips a week on Facebook and YouTube. Give us a like and send in any questions you got. All right, guys.
Thanks, boys. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.